Good morning, Saints. Uh, I'm really sorry about that. We had a bit of a technical glitch and um, yeah, we had some praise and worship with Johan. So um, something was amiss. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just ask Johan to sing that song again. Um, here, he's, he's risen from the dead and he is Lord. Johan, can you hear me? Can you sing it again? We had a bit of a technical glitch and we missed some of it. So while people are gathering, can you sing that for us? He is Lord. But welcome everybody to Easter Sunday morning. <laughs> we remember Jesus is risen from the dead. He's risen. Amen. Oh, he's risen. Thank you, Johan. Welcome. You missed the awesome worship service. Um, we missed an awesome worship service, but that's okay. We can do it again at the end. Really sorry, everybody. Johan sang outrageous, great. One of my favorite songs, and he is Lord and raise a hallelujah and Stuff like this. I don't know what I did wrong, but I did something wrong. But that's okay. Uh, we'll have it right for next time. Johan, just sing that for us, please. He's risen. Before he
my Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, every, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that my Thank you, Johan. I really appreciate that. And um, so sorry I messed it up. Um, I've got to just get myself onto the screen there. Sorry, I'm doing something wrong here. And uh, there we are. Speak of you. So good morning. Morning, all the saints. Lord bless you. Um, still trying to get myself live there. Oh, there it is there. Okay, I did better the first time. <laughs> I don't know what I did wrong. I didn't post it somehow correctly to um, to Facebook. But anyway, here we are. We're remembering Easter Sunday morning. We're remembering the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And uh, what a powerful time it is. And I want to just tell you that one aspect of the life of Jesus is not more important than the other. So, for example, his resurrection is not more important than his crucifixion or his burial um, or his ascension. Every single facet and part of his appearing, his coming, right from his birth, right the way through to his ascension, to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is extremely vital. But what, what marks out the resurrection, a little not in more importance in a sense, although, you know, very often... You know, Paul said, I resolved to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. And yet the apostles went around powerfully testifying to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So um, I like what one great theologian said when Jesus said it is finished on the cross in the Greek tetelestai, which means it's completely complete. It's finally done. It's totally finished. That the resurrection was God's amen to the cry of Jesus. It is finished. And so um, you know, it's all important. It's all, every aspect is vital and it's key. So what a day, what a morning uh, that we remember uh, after the whole, all of the events of this week from Palm Sunday leading all the way through to his trials, to his flogging, to his crucifixion, um, the earth going dark from lunchtime from about 12 noon till midnight, the, what Jesus said on the cross, the tomb splitting open, and the, the, the bodies of the saints of old coming out and laying out the side of their graves. And this morning when Jesus rose, of course, resurrection life would have entered those bodies of those saints. And they appeared along with Jesus over that period of 40 days and appeared to many people in the city. You can find that record in the Gospel of Matthew. So powerful. And uh, of course, then we anticipate the resurrection from the dead. But for the disciples, it would have been a terrible time, you know, three and a half years with Jesus. And, um, you know, they still vacillated between the traditional view of the Jews awaiting a Messiah, a liberator who would come and set them free from Roman oppression, even though Jesus had been making it abundantly clear. And um, so, you know, there were about 12 appearances um, leading up to finally his ascension 
to, to the disciples, to the apostles, to Mary, first of all, Mary Magdalene, and then to the different disciples on the road to Emmaus, to the group of the apostles in the upper room, excluding Thomas, and then later including Thomas. And then one time he appeared, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, to more than 500 at one time. Where that was along that process of time, how many days later, we don't know. But credible witnesses to the fact of the resurrection of Jesus. Just the power with which the apostles preached, giving testimony and witness to his resurrection from the dead, tells us by itself that he rose from the dead. So um, very powerful. So Mary was the first person. The Bible tells us that they went out while it was still dark. Now I want to just encourage you with this. And, and that is when Judas agreed to betray Jesus, just catch the words, the inspiration of, um, of the spirit. And that is that, you know, when Judas betrayed Jesus, he went out, John's gospel says, and it was night. In other words, it was dark. It was in a time of darkness. And Jesus said, this is the time that you operate to the temple God and to the Sanhedrin in a time of darkness. And uh, it was the darkest hour on earth because they were about to take the Prince of Peace. But it says in uh, John's gospel as well, um, was it Luke's gospel? I think John's gospel, that, that Mary Magdalene rushed before it was light. It was still dark. Listen, Jesus was betrayed, crucified. It was dark for, for um, and darkness was over the world. But in that darkness, Jesus rose from the dead. So the sun of righteousness rose, the sun rose before the actual physical sun rose, and he rose to a new day, starting a whole new order, a whole new creation, and that's why the Bible refers to it as the day of Jesus Christ, and we to put on the armor of light because we belong to the day and not to the night. So the true light who came into this world who was giving light to all men. And that light was the life of all men. He rose while it was still dark. So the sun was there. The light was there. And of course, it was the day after the Sabbath, which would have made it the eighth day. And the eighth day is a day of new beginnings, new creation. So listen, hey, the resurrection tells us something so powerful. It doesn't matter the darkest hour. It doesn't matter what um, situation you're in, how hopeless, because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, light can come into your darkness, hope can come into your hopelessness, and, uh, you know, faith can come where there is nothing, and so we're going to talk about a little bit about the power of resurrection, and then Johan is going to come back, I've got to fly through this in about 20 minutes, and I want Johan to come back, and the part that we missed, it was such beautiful worship, I was really enjoying it, and, and uh, he will sing for us again, raise a hallelujah, and also, you know, outrageous grace, because really it is outrageous grace. But the power of the resurrection, you know, we've got to get back to a fresh understanding of everything. We live in a very different world. And just like we need to know the power of the blood, we need to know the power of his resurrection. And that is what Paul sought after, to know Christ. Um, he said in Philippians 3, after all of these years of preaching the gospel, he said, oh, that I may know him more intimately, more progressively become acquainted with the resurrected Christ. And so we need to know greater the power of his resurrection. So it was momentous. It was powerful. And of course, it was the beginning of his exaltation back to be seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, where he had all um, eternal power and glory once again. You know, that which he relinquished, he gained again. 
but he went through the cross. You know, right through the Old Testament, beginning in the book of Genesis, right at verse chapter 3 and verse 15, the promised resurrection was coming through the seed uh, where God said to the serpent, he will crush you, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And so it was at the cross and was uh, including the resurrection. And so, of course, all the way back then, the resurrection of Jesus was prefigured, even in the clothing, the killing of the, 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 the animal, and we assume that it was a lamb in verse 21. But of course, Psalm 16, Psalm 22, um, very direct references to the suffering of Jesus, and then also um, to the Lord being appointed and sitting at his right hand, uh, typified by David. But the sign of Jonah, to which Jesus referred in the belly of the fish for three days. And then, of course, Daniel 12, talking about the prince of the people that will come, and at that time there will be a resurrection, and many lying in the dust will be resurrected to eternal life, and their names be put in the, in, you know, in, the, in the Lamb's book of life, or written down in the book of life. So, so it was already prefigured, but really Jesus was the one that interpreted the Old Testament scriptures. And so I would have loved to have been with those disciples on the road to Emmaus, the two, where Jesus, beginning with all the law and the prophets, expounded all of the scriptures through the Old Testament. And I'm sure he must have included Isaiah 53, but many others showing that he must suffer and that he must rise again. And so his own words, it's very interesting that as Jesus progressed in his time of ministry to the three and a half years, it's very interesting to see how um, he, he was um, so precise and so accurate on his understanding of what was going to happen. But one of the things that he spoke about when the disciples said, look at this beautiful temple, um, Jesus said, you know, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. And the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. And of course, he was speaking of his own body. The disciples didn't know it. But listen to what he says. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise up again. He spoke this word openly. And even Peter took him aside and said, never, Lord, this will never happen. And Jesus had to say to him, get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful or you not, do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And he said, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. You know, the language was so plain. It staggers my mind that the, the disciples didn't get it, didn't realize. It's interesting that when Peter and John, because of the report of Mary Magdalene, ran back to the tomb and looked in, it notes John makes this record about himself. He doesn't speak on Peter's behalf because Peter was still, I think, doubting. But um, he wasn't the, Thomas wasn't the only one that doubted. And he ran back to the tomb and looked and he said, this disciple believed. And so when he saw the grave clothes separated and the napkin that was over, they had folded neatly and put aside. And that's where Mary saw the two angels at the head and feet of Jesus, symbolizing that Jesus had now become the Ark of the Covenant with the two angels sitting over, probably the wings touching. And that's where the body of Jesus was. That was the new atonement seat, the mercy seat, the place of reconciliation in his body for us. Isn't that so awesome? And it happened in a garden. And so, but it says they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken. 
But, you know, even down to the posting of the guard at the tomb, you know, for any leader who claimed anything, this would have been the end. Once they put the stone there, they put the Roman seal on, they put the Roman guard there, it would have been the end. If he was an earthly, non-divine, non-supernatural leader, the whole movement would have fizzled out right here and right now. It would have all gone uh, within a short period of time. And uh, that tomb would have been marked like, you know, so many other leaders' tombs where people will make a pilgrimage to the place of a dead body. But hey, we've got good news. Our leader, our captain, our savior is not in the grave because he has risen from the dead. So the disciples were not prepared for what took place. I wonder if it would be any different if we had been there. Because I think sometimes we forget. We forget the power of the resurrection. We forget sometimes that the, the grave is empty. We still are sometimes unprepared for the impossible. And the disciples were completely unprepared for the impossibility of the resurrection. People had been raised from the dead. You think of Elijah, you think of others who had raised people from the dead. But, but, but this was a resurrection of the dead, no human intervention. Jesus said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it up again. And obviously the disciples witnessed the absolute brutality of the cross, the, the inhumane beating and scourging, the piercing in his side with a spear. And um, the, the fact of him coming back uh, to life would have been past the realm of probability. So they were unprepared. But the amazing thing is that uh, with Jesus, all things are possible. And so I pray that something that we get out of the resurrection, I don't want to go too much into its theology and too many scriptures. I want to just try and exhort you and encourage you this morning by his resurrection from the dead that don't be unprepared for the, the impossible. The resurrection of Jesus prepares us for every eventuality, every single impossibility. And uh, there's a power in his resurrection. And it's through that that miracles are released. And so on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they prepared, but they found the stone rolled away, records Luke's gospel from the tomb. They went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And so he's risen and he, he is alive. And so the four gospels and acts, and Paul records it in 1 Corinthians 15, the, the amount of witnesses and the fact that beyond a shadow of a doubt, all this evidence was presented in a court of law. They would have to come to the conclusion, the verdict that Jesus is alive. So what is the impact of, of his res resurrection on us? And what should it be? Well, you know, for the early disciples, they then became witnesses of his resurrection and powerfully preached the world, to the world. Power, signs, wonders, miracles, because with it came the promise. You know, when Jesus said, uh, spoke to them as well, and he, he spoke to them about the fact that he'd be raised later, and he spoke to them and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and lo, I'm with you to the very end of the age. And so the fact that he was risen, the fact that he was alive, told the disciples also, he's with us, and his power is in us, and will work, will work through us. And so it tells us in, um, in Acts that with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Woo. 
Now I'm just going to pause a little bit of an interlude, a CLR moment. Let me just throw this in here and, and just say to you that because of his resurrection, if we believe in his death and burial and his resurrection, including his ascension, if we accept that, there's much grace upon us to be his witness witnesses but not only that grace upon our lives as christians but then also grace upon our lives to witness to the resurrection with power and signs and wonders in the mighty name of the lord jesus it's funny in the middle of the night i woke up and uh, thinking and meditating because i've been preparing yesterday about the resurrection of jesus um, from the dead and i i woke up in the middle of the night remembering uh, my three-year-old son he fell in the pool and drowned. And for us, it was the greatest terror, the greatest horror, because we had been with very close friends of ours. In fact, our closest, dearest friends. And they had lost their son at three years old, drowned as well. And it was a horror for us, a double horror, because Bev's older sister, when uh, her son was three years old, he'd also fallen in the pool and drowned. And so here we were faced with the same dilemma. And, you know, I, I you know, it's just the grace of God. You know, I, I, I don't always understand it. But I was across town and the Spirit of God fell on me in intercession and I, I began to travail. Never experienced it before, never knew it before. But to see my son um, raised from the dead, you know, Bev's aunt is a nursing sister and the look of terror on her face spoke a thousand words. It's funny, the other day we were looking for Ryan, our, our oldest son. He's married with his own son now. We were looking through for his vaccination certificates because he needed it um, for his visa and stuff like this. And we found the doctor's report card and it brought back a whole host of emotions to me, a good and bad, and just remembering the terror. But then, you know, when I ran into the hospital ward, into the, the emergency section where, where Bev's aunt had him and laid my hands on his head and I just shouted out the name at the, of Jesus at the top of my voice, you know, he sat up and vomited all the water out and looked at me and said, I love you, Dad. And uh, just to see the power of his resurrection gives us hope um, in the deadest of moments, in the worst of times. And so the Apostle Paul um, talks about it. And, and man, I've only got a couple of minutes, so I need to just move on. But I, I just wanted to read these verses to you from Acts 17 when he was speaking um, in Athens to the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And he said, truly these times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he's ordained. He has given us assurance of all of this to all by raising him from the dead. And so, you know, there was a sense in which Jesus was judged, but he was vindicated. His sacrifice, his righteousness was vindicated and he was raised from the dead. One of the most powerful scriptures in a great passage, you know, because Paul received much from visitation with Jesus, you know, appearances of Jesus. That's how he got the whole story of the communion. But, but Paul said, I delivered to you first of all that which I received. And he received this firsthand from Jesus that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He was seen by Peter and then he goes into a list of those that witnessed. But, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, that great resurrection chapter that talks about our resurrection in Christ, um, he talks about and he gives eight reasons why the sacrifice of Jesus is so important. I'm not going to go through them because there's some other things I want to touch on, but you can go and have a look at it 
um, you know, right down to verse 32 from uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 from, from about verse 1 or so. Um, or you could actually go into from about verse 14. But, but the power of his resurrection, I just want to give you seven things. Paul gives eight reasons there why for him the resurrection is so important. But I just want to give you seven reasons why the resurrection is so important for you and me today, especially in the time that we live in, the here and now. You know, everything that Jesus did, you know, it's where the tire meets the tarmac. It, it's applicable for our lives. It wasn't just something that happened remotely over 2,000 years ago and, you know, has a remote significance on our lives. No, no, it's got daily application, daily spiritual significance for us. So number one, the resurrection proves that Jesus was exactly who he was and exactly what he said um, um, and taught about himself and what he had come to do. So it was absolute proof. You know, the disciples saw the fact that God had raised the Jesus, Jesus from the dead to eternal life as God's seal of approval on Jesus. Jesus himself said it in John chapter 6. Um, God's backing of everything that Jesus did, it was God's stamp of approval. As I said earlier, it was God's amen to Jesus' cry, it is finished on the cross. Um, his resurrection fulfilled all the types and shadows and prophecies, etc., in the Old Testament. So now listen to how Paul opens his epistle to the Romans. In Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So human ancestry, the son of David. But listen, he had another ancestry, another lineage. And he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. And so, man, it's so powerful. It says it in Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, it's quoted in, Acts, uh, sorry, in Psalm 2. Today, I have begotten, begotten you. You're my son and I'm your father. And so there's a very real sense in which Jesus, the son of God, um, because of his human ancestry, Jesus the son of God, because of the spirit coming upon him at his water baptism. But really the proclamation for me comes with his resurrection from the dead. He was the firstborn of Mary, but the only begotten of God. But then after his resurrection, he became the firstborn amongst many brethren and the firstborn amongst the dead. Now we are the brethren of Jesus. We are of the firstborn and we are the firstborn in, in the church of the firstborn of Jesus Christ, which makes us, in a sense, um, co-firstborn with Jesus. So Jesus was the only begotten of God. But then after his death, burial, and resurrection, and the fact that we get saved, he became the firstborn amongst many brethren. And you and I are brethren of Jesus Christ. I mean, how awesome um, is that? So the resurrection proves that the penalty, of course, also for our sins has been paid in full. So we can be born again. And so we are declared with power to be sons of God by his resurrection from the dead and him raising us from the dead by the spirit of holiness. Same thing. Woo. Hallelujah. There'll only one be one Lord Jesus Christ, only one son of God, but we are also sons of the most high God. So the resurrection um, fourthly guarantees that God will raise us from the dead to immortal and eternal life. So it's the guarantee. And Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus was the firstborn from amongst the dead. But then when he raised those saints, they were the first fruits 
you know, the, like the wave harvest the, um, that was brought, the, the offering of first fruits. So when Jesus ascended, they ascended with him, um, um, you know, finalizing and bringing to totality his resurrection. So they were the cloud or part of that cloud of witnesses, you know, that Jesus ascended with. And uh, so they will be with the other saints and they will be the clouds with which Jesus comes back for us as well and uh, comes back to us, sorry, um, for, you know, to us as well. And so he, he, his is the guarantee. So the first fruit harvest guarantees that the rest of the harvest will come in. So what he experienced, what they experienced, we will experience. And so Paul covers that magnificently in 1 Corinthians 15. So but between now and uh, Wednesday, when Johan will join us again on Wednesday morning for a praise power half hour um, or so, um, why don't you read 1 Corinthians 15? It's so powerful. In fact, you've got to put 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 together to understand 1 Thessalonians 4. And then, of course, 1 Corinthians 15. And then, of course, um, fifthly, his resurrection. By his resurrection, Jesus becomes the active, living head of his body, which is us. We are the members. And so he's the head. He's taken up his seat of authority, given all authority in heaven and earth, the firstborn over all creation, the one that has inherited and he shares that inheritance with us, but he's giving direction to the body. And about the body, his church, he said that he would build it in the gates of hell shall not prevail. So we have got resurrection life flowing through our bodies. Isn't it amazing? I've got a couple of minutes before I hand over to Jan, that when Paul talks about it in Romans chapter seven, and, uh, and uh, Johan, if you can hear me, just give me a thumbs up over there. I know you're ready. There's giving me a thumbs up. He's, he's uh, cute. And so, you know, when Paul talks about our union and our marriage with the law, that when we were identified with Christ by faith in, in, in what he did, we died with him. So we were co-crucified. We co-died. We were co-buried, signified by our baptism as well. We were co-raised with him. We were co-raised up. Um, we were co-joined with him. Now we are co-seated in the heavenly realms and we are co-ruling with him because he has made us a kingdom of a, a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God and we shall rule and reign on earth. And in that whole process, you see, we were in union. We were married to the law of sin and death. We were in that marriage. And of course, the only way that we could be released from that law was death. And in Christ, and, and he was released as well. And in Christ, when we died, we were released from that union to the law. And, and, and the fruit of that union was death for us. But now we are free um, to marry another. And so we are married to Christ. And Paul said, I pledged you to one. I betrothed you to one, even to Christ. So now when we rise again, we are free to marry another. And when we put our faith in Christ, we become married to, you, to him. And the fruits that we bring, the offspring of that union is life and life eternal more abundantly. What an analogy between 1 Corinthians 7 and then, I mean, Romans chapter 7, then, of course, the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus of Romans chapter 8. You know, you've got to get that message of um, Friday when I talked about the judgment seat of Christ. I tell you, I can't believe that there's still people preaching that we will face a judgment. You know, it, it just baffles my mind and uh, it boggles my mind 
you know, when the judgment seat of Christ uh, was took place for us and uh, everything was vindicated for us. There's a beautiful passage of scripture and I, I must just have a look at it, um, you know, where it tells us in the book of Romans that when, when he died, I'm just scrolling down in my notes to have a look. And, uh, but in, in Romans chapter four, it tells us that, that we were saved by his death, but justification came through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so there it is, Romans 4.25. He was delivered for our offenses, but was raised again for our justification. Now I'm coming to the end. The resurrection of Jesus also guarantees um, his appearing and our full bodily redemption. You know, so Paul talks about it in Ephesians 1 and in 2 Corinthians 5 is 5, that the spirit that we have since we accepted Jesus is the pledge, the down payment, it's the earnest guaranteeing our redemption. Now, you might say, but I thought we are redeemed. Well, we are redeemed, but there is a full redemption. We are redeemed in our spirit. Our soul is in the process of being renewed and saved, but our bodies also will be redeemed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming again, and the person of the Holy Spirit guarantees our total bodily redemption. Last point before Johann comes to sing with us and lead us in worship is the resurrection guarantees ultimate justice. You ever wonder where the movies get this, the good guy wins in the end? Where do they get that from? Well, of course, they get it from the Bible because we see truth always triumphs. We see justice all, always prevails. We see good always overcoming bad. And right there in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and plunged, plunged all of humankind into sin and sickness and death, along comes God, the good guy, walking in the cool of the day, kills an animal, probably a lamb. They've sewed fig leaves together for themselves. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil was probably a fig tree. And they cover themselves with self-righteous self-righteous justification. That was the birth of religion. But hey, the birth of salvation took place. Ever wonder where Abel knew what sacrifice to make? Well, right there, God sacrificed an animal. Types and shadows, probably in all likelihood a lamb, covers them with skin. Blood was shed. And so the triumph began. And so there was a march down to where the good guy Jesus would crush the head of the evil company. And the Bible talks about the evil company, crush the head of the serpent. And so the resurrection tells us the good guy wins. Man, and that good guy is our savior. He's our hero. He's the Lord in Christ. Um, he's Jesus, the son of the living God. And so I, I want to just encourage you that as we hand over to Yadna in a moment, I want to encourage you that it doesn't matter how bad, how terrible things are. And maybe for you, for your company, you work for you, for your business, man, there's a power in resurrection. There is hope. Those companies can be resurrected. I prophesy, if I'm going to prophesy anything, I'm going to prophesy, you know, people are saying the world will never be the same again. No, the world is going to be the it's, it's, it's true. The world is going to get better. <laughs> the world, because he, God said, as surely as I live, Numbers 14, 21, picked up going all the way through to the book of Habakkuk. As surely as I live, the glory, my glory shall cover this earth as the waters cover the sea. I prophesy from scripture, the world is going to get better because Jesus is coming to be the king 
He's going to be revealed, and that's the travail that is in us as sons of God. And so all of creation is looking for our manifestation. So we're going to see it. I prophesy that economies of countries are going to bounce back. The world is going to go into prosperity. So because of his resurrection, because the good guy wins in the end, I prophesy your company will be okay. Your business will be okay. Your finances will be okay. Come on. We are a church of the firstborn. Jesus risen from the dead. Let us have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a word concerning your children. I've said it many, many times. Um, I've said it, and that is this, is that um, the power of good and the power of God's word in your children, God can call it out because it's powerful. It will spring up into life and they will serve God. They will be saved. So thank you for joining me. Just Johan is going to lead us in a couple of songs and then we're going to close in prayer. Johan, you're good to go. I can't hear you, Johan. Can you have you muted your volume? Hallelujah. Ah, oh, bless you. Thank you for that awesome word. Take it away. Jesus. And I raise a hallelujah. All right. 
sing this song again. Need it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, as the song goes out, the people will just be touched by your goodness and by your love and by your grace more than ever before. I thank you for your love, your unfailing love, and your word. Your word is Jesus. Jesus, you are the word of life. Thank you that you've risen. There's a lot of pain, but there's a lot more healing. There's a lot of trouble, but there's a lot more peace. There's a lot of hate. Of sin, but there's a lot more grace. Oh, how it rages, grace! Oh, how it rages, grace! Love
cloud of clouds But there's a lot more vision There's a lot of perishing Oh, but there's a lot more light Oh, I know how to raise His grace Oh, 
Thank you, Johan. Oh, man, that was so awesome. Thank you for singing my favorite song, Outrageous Grace, uh, written by Godfrey Bertel. Man, absolutely brilliant. And thank you for putting that picture up of uh, your dad, my friend, Prophet Kubis, in the background there. What a blessing. So, Johan, I just wanted to find out very quickly, are you okay for Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., and we have a praise power session? We can yes, chat a little bit awesome. about the power of praise and worship. Hallelujah, right now. Uh, awesome. And I think it's going to be good because especially in times of lockdown like this, I mean, you know, the Bible tells us to give thanks in all circumstances, you know. So we don't thank God for the situation necessarily, but in the situation. So our attitude determines our altitude. So, um, so we need to be flying at the altitude of praise and worship, and that will keep everybody lifted. Amen. So Amen. Um, I'm, Johan and I will just chat three, four minutes, five minutes on Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. What we'll try and do, I'll get it right this time. I know exactly what I did wrong, but what we'll do is we'll start at 10 to 9. Johan can just uh, uh, be just leading us in a time of worship and then about 9-ish, somewhere between 9, 5, 5 past 9, we'll just talk about the power of praise. And it's, it's nothing that you don't know, but it's, it's something worth being reminded of, especially these days. And then Johan then can just lead us in worship like he did so beautifully this morning. It's going to be absolutely awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. So I've got it on both views over here because um, I just want Johan just to speak blessing over you on this Easter Sunday, the day of resurrection. Um, it's amazing that in the early church, 
the greetings of one believer to, to another would be, he is risen. And Amen. the other one would reply, Christ is risen indeed. So, so bless you, Han. Just a couple of words and then I'll sign off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So again, do not, do not miss Wednesday. It's going to be awesome. Um, I've got something to share. Just something small. And then we're going to go into praise and worship. And we're going to go crazy. So don't miss Wednesday. Please share it as to many friends as possible as you can. Uh, we'll try to post it everywhere uh, we can. So it's going to be awesome. So, But right now we just speak a blessing uh, on your life. As Pastor John said, Christ is risen. So we greet you with Christ is risen. He has risen from the dead. He's and risen. so many stuff has been, God has just been pouring out in songs and in word about his resurrection. So we rejoice in that. So we speak the resurrection power of God over your life that that resurrection power, the risen Christ is alive in you. And that power is available for you to, to not just carry on with living normally, but to excel, to exceed far above everything else in the world. So everything that's happening now is actually our platform to step up as sons of God and to take the resurrection power of Christ Amen. and live it. So Father, we bless everyone. We speak a word of blessing, the word of life, the life in Christ that, that Christ has given to us. Lord, we just release that life. Holy Spirit, we allow you to come and, and brainwash us, Lord. Cover us with your blood, Lord, and, and cover us with your spirit, Lord. As Smith Wigglesworth said, that the Holy Spirit will think through our minds and speak through our lips, that Jesus will be glorified. So let Jesus be glorified today all over the world, and let that be a blessing and an outflow of blessing in each life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Be blessed. May the peace of God surpasses all understanding rule and govern and, and keep your mind in christ jesus amen amen thank you johan i really appreciate it um let me just click on here very quickly and Sorry. that is um thank you so much for being with us johan and i just wanted to encourage you um just before i close and there's so much stuff going around about you know the end of the world the end times the four horsemen the mark of the beast and all of that kind of thing it's it's not biblically correct that view is one of the weakest Bible views. It's not apostolic doctrine. And uh, I just want to encourage you, Matthew 24, when, um, you know, Jesus spoke, this, you know, signs coming upon this generation. He was talking about that generation of, of his disciples, which ended, uh, you know, a few years after um, leading up to AD 70 and the destruction of Jerusalem. And so, you know, all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. There is not much, there's very little, in fact, that prophesies beyond John. In fact, I want to stick my neck out of the block and say, all of the Old Testament prophets prophesied until the time of John. Then the new prophet stood up and he began to prophesy different things. So the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's not the mark of the beast. It's not about the Antichrist. It's not about all of those things. You know, the, the beast and the the whore and, you know, the dragon and the false prophet, you know, basically was Rome and Jerusalem and the religious order. And, and so please, you know, don't get into fear. And so I appreciate Johan speaking peace over you. I remember John Sheesby saying, the peace of God, the shalom of God is nothing missing, nothing stolen, nothing broken. So it's that peace that we speak over you as we celebrate today together, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord be with you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you. The Lord put his favor upon you. The Lord bless you and increase you. May it be a wonderful day. So we will see you 
um, on Wednesday morning, around about 10 to 9, we'll start. So blessing you, Han, once again. Love to Taryn. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bless you.